What's going on there, Bears fans? It is another episode of The Tailgate Show, and we are very excited because we have a very special guest. It's Aaron Lemming. Uh, you might know him, of course, from Twitter, and then you're also going to know him from thebearreport.com and Windy City Gridiron. He's at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter. And, of course, we have Diddy and Jer joining us uh, in and out from a remote location. What's happening, Mr. Lemming? How are you, sir? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. We are very excited. Uh, things are finally happening. Uh, we are almost into August, and it's uh, becoming the time where uh, all the questions are going to be answered on the grass instead of uh, in uh, chat rooms and DM groups and Twitter. So that's a that's a nice thing for everybody. I absolutely agree. I mean, I think it's kind of past the point of uh, dissecting a piece of paper and, you know, depth charts and all that other fun stuff. And especially, especially with Packers fans, man, they seem to be a little, little overbearing as of late. Yeah, I think they're really, uh, I think they're threatened. So they're, they're, they're uh, backed into a corner and they're getting a little aggressive. Uh, (laughs) They're not quite used to this feeling of uh, being threatened like this. So. Uh, it's, it's kind of nice. Um, you know, and, and I'm enjoying uh, every minute of it, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're used to the, no, the nothing the, sucks about making a fucking Packers fan sweat. It's all right by me. <laughs> we're, we're, I agree. We're used, to, uh, we're used to dealing with the lions fans, uh, you know, and, and their ridiculousness, but, uh, yeah, it seems like the Packer fans are, are coming out, uh, swinging as it were, just to try to save face. Um, well, to get things started, as we always do with our guests on the Tailgate Show, uh, we ask you to just uh, give us your Bears fan origin story, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I wish it was more glamorous than it is, but basically, uh, it's kind of. It was kind of handed down from my dad, I guess. You know, it was just one of those situations where uh, that was kind of one of the only things, at least growing up, that we had in common was sports in general, sports and music, and. Uh, so pretty much every other weekend when I was at his house, we were either watching White Sox games, and then when football was on, it was uh, Bears games. And then it was like the the more things progressed as I got older, the more I liked football over baseball. And it was just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of happened that way. And then I was doing music, was in a band for a while, toured a little bit, and then uh, got done with that and got married. And she basically didn't want me touring or you know playing music anymore which is pretty understandable so i kind of traded one addiction for another and went from uh you know kind of being head first into music to head first into sports and i don't know man it's just something about football and something about the bears that have always uh always had my heart nice is there a particular era or a particular team that you really uh fell in love with or that you identify with the most you know, not really, because uh, at least when, because I'm, what, 29 now, so, I mean, right about the time I started remembering watching football, it was probably about five or six, and, I mean, realistically, a lot of those teams in the 90s and early 2000s were pretty good, so right. I, I can still remember my, back when, you know, newspapers were a thing, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the internet really was, and I can still remember my dad, every single time the Bears were in first place, he'd always, uh, you know, even if it was for, like, one or two games, you know, the standings would be, like, one and one or two and oh, something like that. He would always he would always cut it out and, and stick it somewhere just for the pride. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea of the, the era that I grew up with actually watching before they, you know, got decent at least for a little bit. Right. Go ahead, so, Aaron, I mean, you had some crazy uh, stuff going on out in Cali with the uh, – the, those little uh, earthquakes going on how is everything going all right with that like re, like the recovery of all that yeah it's definitely been interesting um 
But, I mean, I don't think anybody ever expects any sort of natural disaster. But, yeah, the, the earthquakes were, I don't know, I, I don't even really know how to describe them. I, mean, I mean, they just kind of caught, I think they caught everybody off guard. But, yeah, it's, it's going better. I mean, the town's kind of getting back to normal, I think. Uh, the last thing to really not open up was the gym. Um, but... One of the schools is actually permanently closed, but you know a few people lost houses. Uh, Trona, which is a, a little little town, and I mean little, like 1,500 people little, uh, got hit a little harder than we did, and they were without water for a while and all that stuff. But luckily, uh, you know, I'm not a giant fan of California by any means, but luckily the the governor came together. You know, governor and all the all the government here, and then uh, President Trump and all that. You know, really came through for us, which is nice because we're only a town of like 30,000 people, so it was. It's very interesting to see all the different political figures that were here, all the all the different you know EMS and uh, and fire and and all the different police from all over the county, all over the state, really. So it's it's been an interesting few weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, I lived in San Diego and L.A. for a long time, but I never had any big ones like that uh, in the in the upper sixes like that or seven, I guess, as it were. That's that's pretty serious. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is, you know, I've I've lived here my entire life, you know, and we've always had little earthquakes here and there, and you get used to them. I mean, anything like below probably about a 3.5, you don't usually feel, but yeah, we had one that I think it was like a 5.0 that hit, and I actually thought it because I lived next to a military base, and I actually thought it was like testing going on, like somebody blew something up, and then I read that it was an earthquake, and then the 6.4 happened about an hour later, and I was like, oh wow, this is real, and then it just kept going, the ground kept moving, and then the next day the the 7.1 hit, and it's I mean, everything's pretty well calmed down. We still get a little bit, and I think some people definitely have some PTSD over it, but it's just one of those you can't really control it. I think that's the thing with natural disasters that bother a lot of people is there's nothing you can do to predict it. There's nothing you can do to control it. It's like you just kind of have to live your life. Yeah. Well, we're glad to hear that uh, things are uh, looking up at least, and uh, you know, as we move into uh, training camp, uh, which is starts this weekend, uh, this upcoming weekend. Um, what are you What are you most looking forward to, just to get camp started? You know, honestly, just the fact that they're going to be out on the field. I mean, I, I think it's going to be interesting, and I've talked to a few people about this. It's it's one of those situations for the Bears right now. I mean, I think we can all kind of agree there's not a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of competition, but there's not a lot of roster spots open. So I think kind of seeing, you know, probably receiver play out a little bit, just at least on the back end, uh, would probably be one of the interesting ones. I think the DBs would be another one. And then obviously kicker, which I think we've probably all beat to death at this point. So it's just, like I said, I think it's just going to be nice getting out seeing them get out on the field or more the point hearing about them getting out on the field. Cause I won't be there. I don't know if you guys will or not, but you know, it's just, it's just nice to get back in the swing of everything. I mean, we're what, uh, 16 days away from preseason so it's just it's just nice to have football back on tv in some way shape or form you know even if it's on the nfl network and just training camp reports yeah i live in in uh, skokie so i'll be probably making a couple couple trips i know i'll be there so i'm gonna go sunday and then maybe one other day um oh, but <clears throat> i'm sure it's are gonna you gonna make the trip sunday you know what i am gonna go sunday jared well just... i'm gonna try and see how that works and hopefully i can meet you there That'd be great. I was thinking about yeah, Monday, but I'm, I'm not jealous at all. Out better. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, poor so Diddy stuck in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, as you you said it, I mean, just just to you know have them get the pads on and uh, you know just have it be real and you know uh, make it so that the, the all the talk doesn't matter and more. And now it's just uh, it's just what we want to see them do. You know, I was thinking about it, it's kind of like uh, it's like 
you know, the Avengers assembling or something, you know, these guys are superheroes to us. And, and, uh, you know, we, we, especially now the way we follow them so closely on, on Twitter and on Instagram and all these different things are really like, you know, kind of feel like you're a part of their lives. And, and now they're, you know, they're really going in and putting in the, putting on the armor and getting ready to do battle. So it's definitely an exciting time. Good. Brent. It's definitely an exciting time. I don't think I've ever anticipated a camp this much at the last day, probably. But um, Aaron, do you uh, do you have any player that you think is going to surprise us all in this training camp? You know, there's there's a few under the radar guys. I think Josh Woods is one of them. Uh, he's man, he's been getting a lot of hype from a lot of different people I've been talking to, and you know, he's an inside linebacker. I think he came in because he came in. Well, he was a converted safety, and he came in. I want to say he was what like 205, 215, something like that. And he's had a year to kind of put on some muscle. So he's kind of somebody I'm looking forward to a little bit. And then uh, just on the offensive side of the ball, it's probably gonna be a different hole than everybody's expecting. But Marvin Hall is another one that's been kind of catching everybody's eye. So. It's always interesting to see some of these guys, you know, they, they catch all this hype during, you know, the off-season programs and even sometimes in training camp and you kind of get to see it uh, just kind of transfer over into the preseason. But those guys, and then I think the one rookie that I'm excited about that I don't know how much expectations I have for him, it wouldn't be an easy one like, you know, David Montgomery by any means is Duke Shelley. I think he actually has a, uh, has a pretty good chance, at least in my eyes, to be able to get some snaps uh, really right off the bat. I'm not a big Buster Screen fan, um, so I would absolutely love to see Shelley be able to step in, especially at the nickel cornerback position and, and really start taking snaps. And Pagano uses a lot of DB, so it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for it to happen. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, a lot of people are just penciling Duke Shelley right in, um, you know, and and also on the other side of the ball with Ridley, um, you know, it's it's kind of amazing how Pace is drafting starters where he's drafting them, you know. Like, I mean, I don't know if I consider Ridley a starter necessarily, but, you know, I mean, the way it's going, um, a lot of people, like you said, are, are kind of just – you know, these guys are looking to to get heavy looks and, and really kind of, you know, almost expected to end up on the team. Um, you know, you could probably fill out 48 of the 53 right now if you wanted. And I see I'd absolutely agree with that because I, I really think that's kind of where the roster's at is. I mean, you're looking at a lot of these guys and I'm sure you guys have all dissected the depth chart of all 90 players like I have. I mean, there's just not a lot of spots available. And I think you bring up a good point, especially with what Ryan Pace has done in the draft. And it's it's nice that they can go into an offseason with minimal holes. They can fill those holes. They can add depth at other positions. And then they go into the draft. And it's like with, a, you know, with a, with a Riley Ridley and, you know, uh, Duke Shelley and some of these guys, you know, obviously Montgomery is going to be a little bit different. But with those two names in particular, it's it's nice because you're not expecting them to start right away. But you also kind of have that feeling that they're going to contribute right away. And, I mean, that's that's really all you're looking for out of some of these young guys right now is who can contribute, you know, now. And then as obviously some of these guys, maybe a Taylor Gabriel down the line or some of these other receivers kind of start falling off, maybe Riley Ridley slides into a better position. Same thing with Juke Shelley. I mean, they're going to get to a point where they can't afford to keep paying these guys five, six, seven million dollars to be above average players or average players. And they're going to have to rely on some of these talents that they've been drafting and, and signing as undrafted free agents the last few years. Hey, this is Jeremy. I was just going to ask you, where do you feel like our biggest hole is on the defensive side of the ball? I think, I think offense it's, it's kind of explanatory that tight end is going to be a place where we're going to be looking really hard, but Defense is kind of understated. I just wonder what your thoughts are on the linebacker position and uh, 
where you think our weaknesses are. Well, I think in terms of at least depth, I would definitely say uh, I think outside linebackers is a little interesting. I mean, obviously they have Aaron Lynch, but we've we've seen how easy it is for some of these pass rushers to get injured. I'm kind of curious behind him, you know, who else do they have? I, I know a lot of people are high on Isaiah Irving. Uh, I don't know if I share that. Um, Kylie Fitz looked like, you know, and, but maybe this is too blunt, but Kylie Fitz didn't look like he belonged on the field last year. Then after that, you got a bunch of undrafted rookies that, you know, you just don't know. And the problem with pass rushers especially is if you're not drafting them inside the first three rounds of the draft, then you got a very, very low likelihood of being able to hit on them. And I think the other position, at least for me, is safety right now. I'm not a big Deion Bush fan. Um, I think after that, you look and you got DeAndre Houston Carson. I know they've been working a little bit with Steven Denmark at safety as well as corner. Same thing with uh, Jonathan Franklin and then Sherrick McManus as well. But it's one of those when I'm looking, especially at the secondary, I think you can kind of identify somebody like Kevin Tolliver. You know, we've already talked about Duke Shelley. But at safety, it's like if one of those guys goes down, um, I I don't know. I, I just I wasn't overly impressed with what Deion Bush brought uh, those last few games when Eddie Jackson was out. So that would probably be maybe my bigger concern just because that's the first guy off the bench. Uh, but outside linebacker is another position where you always want to have that depth. And I don't know if they have enough quality depth um, outside of Aaron Lynch, but those are two positions I'll be watching for, for sure. Well, what do you think about Chuck Harris? A lot of people have been uh, myself included, but I don't really know if I have any good reason why I'm, I'm interested in him other than he went to Buffalo and so did Khalil Mack. I mean, it's pretty much as simple as that, but I've, I've read, that some people are, you know, saying he's he's a pretty good dark horse to make the team. Yeah, well, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I'm the same way. I, I really like Chuck Harris as well. I I think, I mean, obviously he's raw, and I know a lot of people are really focused on Matt Betts right now, and I just, I don't know, man. I Watching Matt Betts in Canada, I just didn't really, it, it, he didn't have that same look. It's even like a guy like Adam Shaheen. You know, Adam Shaheen looked like a grown man playing with little kids. At least with, with Betts, I didn't really see that. But with Chuck Harris... I think it's more of a ceiling, and I think he's more of a developmental guy, but I actually put him on my final 53, you know, the pre-camp 53 that I did for Windy City Gridiron, and he was actually one of the the surprise undrafted free agents that I put on there, so I'm right there with you. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting about pass rushers is it's so dependent on them getting chances, and, you know, with a pass rusher, the play might just not go your way, you know, you might... I mean, it's just a lot of different things can happen where it's not necessarily that a pass rusher doesn't have the technique or the ability, you know, they just might not get the chances. And so I think sometimes, you know, they're going to be basing it on what they see in practice and, you know, and, and in the, in the preseason games, I mean, you know, they're going against third string offensive linemen. So a lot of times, what can you really, you know, what can you really tell from that? I mean, I think Kylie Fitz looked kind of decent, in some of those situations, but then you see him, you know, in a game and it's like the guy just doesn't, you know, like you said, he doesn't look like he belongs. He just looks like he's, you know, he's out there. He, he, he looked, he looked like his conditioning was terrible last year when he got in the game. You know, he looked like he just would basically just run up field and, and had no kind of gap discipline or, you know, anything like, and so, you know, it's like, it's hard to tell with those guys, you know, it's such an effort position. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to find out. I think, um, you know, I think that's what that's one of the obviously the positions we'll be looking for. I think Irving, you know, when he got in there, showed some flashes. Um, you know, I think in the Vikings game when when they really went with like a complete second unit uh, towards the end, he looked pretty good. But it's, you know, it's hard to tell. 
I definitely agree. I, I think especially I think you kind of bring up a larger point with preseason and training camp as a whole is it's it's one of those things where some of these guys are going to look better than than they actually are. And it, it's kind of hard one to evaluate because, like you said, they're going against second, third string guys. And at the same time, too, it's it's also kind of one of those situations where, I mean, they're not scheming. They're not doing anything. They're basically throwing these guys out on the field, which is why the starters hardly play, as we all know. You know, they're throwing these right. guys out on the field and they're saying, all right, you know, go out and rely on your athletic ability. We're not really going to coach you. We're not really going to give you anything to do. You're, you know, you're going to have a basic assignment that most people in flag football would have, you know, it's just one of those, it's just, it's, it's a scrimmage. I mean, that's really what it is. So that's what makes preseason so challenging. I think for a lot of people, including myself is because we always want to attach ourselves to that one or two players that we think, you know, and it's every year it seems like, well, uh, you know, and myself included, like I said, I mean, I've attached myself to players in the past. I get upset when they get cut and then it's like, Oh, there's no way that they're going to make it to the practice squad. And then they make it to the practice squad. It's like, Oh, okay, well, never mind. Maybe I overreacted. And then two years later, you don't even remember who they are. Go ahead, Jerry. I was going to ask you uh, how – I don't want to understate. I feel like this preseason is probably one of the more important preseasons that we've had as far as our depth goes. What are your thoughts on – like I, I'm attending preseason game three at Indianapolis, so that's a game that I feel like is going to have a lot of importance to see who actually makes it and who actually doesn't make it. What are your thoughts on the preseason games and how they'll affect this roster? Well, I think it's definitely going to be interesting because I think there's multiple multiple levels of the preseason for sure, and one of them is obviously health. I mean, you got to hope these a lot of these guys to stay healthy. But I mean, it's it, I, I think we all kind of agree that when you when you're looking at the the depth chart right now, you know, like like Aaron already said, I mean, it's there's what probably six, maybe seven spots open. I mean, that's, so it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how some of these guys acquit themselves. I mean, even at receiver, I mean, they got probably nine, 10 guys that you could make an argument for that, that can make the 53 man roster and six, maybe seven of them will. So I think that's where you're going to start seeing some of these guys stand out. I think the, the big thing that I'm going to be watching in, in terms of some of these, maybe the lower level depth um, and why it's going to be so important is it, how are they going to balance you know, they're, they're in the middle of a Super Bowl window, obviously. I mean, this I would say this is probably, what, their second year because, I mean, they, they had a decent shot last year, too, if they had a better kicker. But when I'm looking at it, it's like, do you how do you balance keeping maybe veterans that can help you more this year uh, on a one-year deal or maybe somebody that's a little bit more meaningful in terms of coming into the game right away and being able to have a decent impact or at least not be terrible – Versus maybe some of these other younger guys, uh, you know, a Steven Denmark, for example, a Kareth White, even some of these undrafted guys that they got. I mean, they have a, an outstanding undrafted class, at least on paper. So how are they going to balance being able to, you know, when they're looking at this final roster and they're they're paring it down to 53? I mean, how is that going to go? Are they going to value what they can get in the moment or are they going to value the long term effects, especially with the cap situation the way it is? I mean, it's going to do nothing to get tighter. I mean, I trust Ryan Pace and I think we all do, but. At the same time, you still have to have those lower-level guys that are getting paid, you know, six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand a year to be able to fill out the roster and 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 still have impact. And that's so I, I would say it's definitely important. It's just more a matter of how are they going to evaluate these these players and how are they going to place value on these players? I mean, are are they focused on 2019 as a whole? Are they looking forward in terms of if two guys are close, they're going to take the younger guy that has the the more control, the cheaper control, and the higher ceiling? I don't know. I mean, that's that's the one thing that I'm I'm very curious about just because. 
again, I mean, if you're in the middle of a window, you don't want it to be a one or two year window. You want to be able to sustain it. And I think the biggest way to be able to sustain it is to be able to have those cheap players, those guys with high ceilings. And a lot of those come in the way of undrafted free agents. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, you, you keep, um, I, I noticed you keep bringing up uh, Denmark and that that's a guy that I was actually, uh, I had read somebody's thought on it. I forgot who wrote it was that like haha would be a bridge to Denmark if he develops the way they expect him to because because he's big he's physical he he was a receiver so he has the hands and uh if he if he really pans out of safety that could be huge for us because that if haha ends up balling out we're not going to be able to afford that contract with eddie coming up shortly so that should be uh that should be pretty interesting I'm, i'm interested to see how it plays out with him um one one guy is there is there a guy that you think that's going to surprise us that gets cut? Man, I I've kind of thought about that. And I don't know. I mean, I I just the, there's not that one player that really that really sticks out or comes to mind that would be be on that list for me. I I don't know. I mean, I've gone through the roster left and right, kind of looking for that one player. And like I said, I think things are so set right now outside of a few positions. I mean. It's not like I guess maybe, and this is kind of a stretch. I mean, but maybe Nick Kwiatkowski. I mean, he he's somebody that could make some sense. Maybe Jonathan Bowler. I don't know. Those would be the two names that would come to mind. Maybe Kwiatkowski more, just because of the depth they have. I mean, they also have outside of Josh Woods, who they seem to be really high on, and and Iggy, of course. I mean, they also have Kevin Pierre Lewis, and I think what Kwiatkowski is due to make like 2.1 million, and that's a decent amount to pay a, a backup. But at the same time, I mean. How much more do you trust the other guys? I don't know. I don't know if there's really a clear-cut guy. I mean, is there anybody that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think Kwiatkowski's a good candidate. I think uh, I, I would look – I think I echo what you said about Pierre Lewis because he's known as a special teams guy, um, at least, you know, for the Jets. And so I could see that happening. Um, you know, it's I can't see what, Kwiatkowski getting cut. I just hell, can't. I mean, the inside linebacker position – and knowing Danny's health over the years, I just can't see that happening. I was going to say that, Veronica. I, that would be a say, shut it. <laughs> shut it. Don't mess with my hometown boy now. Jared loves Veronica. I mean, other than that, I would say, you know, I'm interested to see if they are willing to, you know, kind of be lean in one area to keep more skill guys um, because I think – that's something where the Sowell move to tight end, you know, uh, could kind of be a dual, you know, I mean, he's, he, maybe he's really sort of a dual threat as an offensive lineman. So maybe they keep one less offensive lineman and they go with another skill position. Um, you know, uh, like obviously Corderell's making the roster, but you know, you look at a Kareth White, you look at Hall. Um, one thing that we've been kicking around just in the chats or everyone I talked about on the show, but what do you think of the likelihood of Emmanuel Hall being kind of a, a red shirt IR candidate? Um, you know, some people have talked about them stashing him in that way. I think he's one of a few that they could actually do that with because I don't know. I mean, it's one of those maybe, maybe I'm overstating it just because they haven't actually got in the camp in preseason yet, but. I mean, he's, he's missed a decent amount of the, the program so far. I mean, he seems like he's kind of far behind, and he seems like another one of those guys that the Bears really like during the draft process. I think they met with him, I think it was twice. I'd have to go back and look. But he's also somebody with a decently high ceiling that a lot of people had projected in the in the third or fourth round outside of the hell. So he's absolutely somebody I could see. I'm, I can't remember because I was going back, and I know, like, Roy Robertson-Harris was obviously – that was legit. That was a heat-related thing. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but I talked to somebody, and they 
kind of explained a little bit better, but there's been a few guys that they've kind of done that with. And I'm, I'm curious because there, there are a few, especially some of these undrafted free agents where it could make some sense. Uh, even like a guy like Steven Denmark, you know, he's a seventh round pick, but I don't think he, I think he will make the roster, but I also don't think he's a lock to make the roster. And those kind of guys, it's like the better you get, it's like free agency this last year. The better you get, the more attention you get, and usually the more valuable those players become. I know some people really liked Adrian Amos. Uh, I didn't think he was going to get eight and a half, nine million dollars a year. I mean, the same thing with Bryce Callahan. I thought Bryce Callahan got a little bit more than I thought, and you kind of have to wonder. It's like if they're if they're six and ten, are, are they getting the same kind of attention as they are when they were twelve and four? And I think that's kind of the same thing when you're looking at some of these undrafted free agents and some of these guys like an Emmanuel Hall, like a Steven Denmark. Uh, Alex Bars would be another one that I think is kind of on the bubble too. Dax Raymond possibly. I mean, those are the kind of guys that I'm assuming that there'd be multiple teams that are going to have eyes on teams like the Bears that have a stacked roster that are successful teams that maybe they're looking to poach. I mean, the Bears did it for years uh, when they didn't have a good roster. I don't see why the teams wouldn't do it to them. So I, I think you bring up a pretty good point, especially with somebody like Hall. I mean, he's a speed guy. He's got pretty good hands. Like I said, I mean, at least from everything that I remember, I think I had a, a borderline third or fourth round grade on him. And I saw him going as high as the late second, some of the mocks I saw. Yeah, well, I, I think don't the, think there's uh, a lot of Travis Gentry's, you know, uh, on this roster that are just going to slide right to the practice squad. Like, I feel like, you know, we're going to have a hard time getting some of these guys, you know, to the practice squad that we may want to. Um, I'm not exactly sure, though, how that works. I mean, you know, obviously they have to go, uh, they have to clear waivers to get to the practice squad. But, guys, you know, I mean, guys, teams just can't just poach whoever they want, right? There's some limitations to that, isn't there? Um, no, pretty much what the, what the outlier is with that is a team can claim whoever they want from any other team. That's, you know, that a player has been cut. The, the difference would be that they would actually have to put them on the 53 man roster. So if no, if you claim them, they go on the 53 man roster. If they don't claim them, then, you know, if the, I would assume that the bears would have first priority in terms of getting those guys on the practice squad. And that's kind of, that's kind of where you're probably not going to see a team, you know, a playoff caliber team claim one of the guys at the bears cut, but you may see a team like the dolphins or, you know, the Redskins or the giants, or, you know, those teams that are kind of rebuilding, you know, maybe the bills, I don't know, you know, just it's good. I'm just kind of th- trying to think of bad teams right now. I think mm-hmm. half the teams I named, maybe not that bad after all, but you get the point, you know, it's kind of the same right. thing as what the bears did. Do you think there's, I mean, a lot of people have talked about, you know, maybe Ryan Nall, um, having an outside shot, but I don't know in what role I really see him in. And do you think that there's really right. But do you think there's really going to be a fullback role this year? I mean, the the Mike Burton experience was so horrifying. (laughs) I I just give you Bradley soul, my brother. It's Bradley soul. Right. But I don't, I just, I'm not sure if I see a traditional fullback role being employed. I mean, uh, you know, watch Kansas I, I think Mike Davis, I think my, if anybody, Mike Davis would be the one that fills that, you know, that position first and then, and then you go from there. But do you see, you know, us kind of having those, I don't know, like, cause last year, some of the most frustrating things that happened last year were take one Mizell and Mike Burton, just why were they on the field what the hell were they doing even on the roster, you know, and, and I'm just curious if there's, if you feel like there's going to be that kind of scenario this year with some of these guys. Yeah, no, that's funny. I just, yeah, the, 
The the Ryan Null thing, I, I I won't lie, that's another guy, and I, I need to stop doing this. That's that's one of the guys that I I feel like I overvalued during the preseason a lot. I mean, he had his moments, but looking back on it, it's like he probably was never going to be any good. Uh, but yeah, take one Mizell. I'm glad I wasn't the only one because there's multiple times that guys on the field I'm like, what in the hell is happening here? Why why is this guy on the field? And it, it was the same thing. I mean, everybody's tweeting it. So I don't think they're going to have a traditional fullback by any means. Uh, I I think that. What probably because what burden stopped being active? What was it like six, seven games of the season, if I remember right? I mean, it was it was a pretty short lived experiment, and that's kind of the thing, too. With with Nagy, is was he ever active, Aaron? Let, let's be real, yeah, that is very true. I think, <laughs> didn't he make a I yeah. thought he made like a like a seven or eight yard catch week one? That was about the only time we saw yeah. anything from him. That was about it. A lot of a lot of uh, turnstile blocking going on yeah that was yeah i don't know man that was and i remember some of the lions fans were hyping that guy up like he was like he was good maybe i'm just not a fullback person i don't know I, but i i don't know when i look at ryan Null, i at least from what they did in the draft and at least from what they did this offseason and even with the undrafted free agents it seems like speed's kind of a big deal for them so i would assume because i want to say there's only what five running backs on the on the 53 right now right because i think ryan Null and kareth white would be four and five and then obviously the other three so I would assume that they're probably going to keep four running backs and they would come down between white and all. And I mean, white brings more special teams value. He brings a speed aspect. And that's the other thing too, you know, kind of going back to the, you know, you're looking towards a future. I don't know about you guys, but I don't think Patterson's going to be here in a year or two. I mean, he's been one and done the last two times with his other teams. It's, it's hard to justify paying really a kick returner and somebody you're probably going to have on the field on offense, maybe 10, 15 snaps a game. It's hard to justify paying a guy like that $5 million a year. So and White's one of those guys that he's got a lot of good straight line speed. Uh, I'm not overly enthralled with him as a running back outside of a you know, probably an outside zones type of scheme. Um, but I do think that he brings some value in other aspects that maybe Ryan Nall doesn't. And I I don't know. I just I, I think we kind of saw with Jordan Howard last year. I mean, the, the, the slow, bulky running back isn't really going to be a thing in this offense. And I think they're looking more for speed. So I would lean more towards Kareth white than I would somebody like Ryan Null. And I just can't see a fullback in general. I, I think really Jeremy kind of nailed it. I think that if anything, Bradley soul is kind of going to be the guy that's going to be all over the field doing weird stuff. And, and hopefully it's fun and we're not wondering why the hell he's on the field too. Yeah. I mean, they've talked about, you know, I mean, uh, Adam Hogan, Adam Johns, you know, we're talking about how it basically looks like it's like a kind of handshake deal with soul. Like, Hey, you know, you cut all this weight, you go to tight end. I mean, barring injury, he's pretty much, you know, going to make the team. Uh, and it'll definitely be interesting. My sort of secret hope is that it's not all that interesting <laughs> that maybe we get a little more, uh, straightforward and we find the bread and butter of this offense, you know, and, and I, I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be. I mean, obviously, you know, you add a dynamic player like Montgomery, you know, everybody thinks is going to, you know, sort of be able to do all sort all kinds of things. Um, you know, I, and I, I think Nagy's never going to get the trick plays out of his repertoire, but, you know, I, I'm sort of hoping that with what we saw from Allen Robinson and Trubisky's connection towards the end of the year, um, and hopefully with Anthony Miller being healthy, uh, you know, I, I, that we kind of, you know, get to a, a little more of a, a staple kind of an offense or a scheme, uh, and then we can kind of, you know, play around off of that. But now I, I just, I, I really don't want to see, you know, offensive linemen running off the field and crashing into referees and, you know, like just the wackiness. Sometimes it's like, even though it's fun when it works, there's times where it's like, 
all right, let's just let's just run a play. <laughs> you know, I don't know. What do you think about all the trick plays and all that stuff for next season? I actually think you kind of hit the, the nail on the head there, man. I mean, the, Nagy's offense is fun, but it, sometimes it felt like it was just there. A lot of it was forced. I mean, it was like even going back as I've gone back and watched a lot of the, you know, rewatched a lot of those games, and it was like the whole. It, they do things that don't work and then they try it again. Like even the special team stuff, when they, they go on on the field to punt and then they run the, run the offense out on the field. And you know, it's just like, it's just a disaster. And I think that's probably what you're pointing to right there with one of the linemen running and the referee. It's like, it's, I, I think it maybe I'm, I'm hoping like, like you said, I'm hoping that that was kind of a year one thing. He's got more pieces in place. Trubisky's going into year two. They can get more comfortable because it's like some of the stuff, it makes sense. You know, some of the weird formations, some of the stuff like that, you know, having chase Daniel in the backfield with Trubisky. I understand that having some of these linemen catch a pass or run a, you know, run something into the end zone. I understand. But at the same time, like, that's not really something, at least in all the games I've seen from Kansas City and even the games I've seen in, with Philly, I mean, they don't do that over the top. And there was a lot of times last year where you kind of just wondered, it's like maybe maybe Nagy was kind of out thinking himself. And honestly, I kind of felt that way uh, throughout a decent portion of the playoff game offensively. I, I feel like there was a lot of times when Matt Nagy was doing great things, and then I felt like there was, there was times where – he either got a little too over overly conservative or overthought things. And, and especially in the playoff game, like I said, I mean, it was like as soon as they opened things up and they got Allen Robinson going on those double moves, uh, you just, just, just absolutely torching Avante Maddox. All of a sudden things were good, but you, you sat there and you wonder, it's like, why weren't you doing this from the very beginning? It's just, I'm hoping that those were kind of year one things for Nagy and that he's kind of learning not only how to be a play caller, but how to actually be a head coach as well. But I, I guess we'll see. I mean, that's stuff that you can deal with as long as they're winning, but I mean, if they're going nine and seven, 10 and six, it's, it's definitely a little bit different of a story than running away with the division at 12 and four. Yeah, I mean, I think he felt, I think he was a little high on his own supply, you know, sometimes where he would just kind of, it was like he wanted to run his own stuff so much that they weren't really, he wasn't really paying attention to what was right in front of him. I mean, I think you, you bring up the playoff game and, and you know, a lot of that stuff that, that was successful in the second half was there in the first half. And it's like, Mitch didn't see it and Nagy you know, was just so dead set on what he thought, you know, was going to work. And, and I think he kind of had this mentality of, you know, got to keep them off balance, got to set up this to set up that to set up that, you know, kind of thing. And it's like sometimes, you know, you just got to like look at what the defense is doing and, you know, react one time, not thinking three, four five plays ahead. You know, I think, like you said, maybe he outthought himself and hopefully with Mitch's development and him sort of kind of getting a seat at the table in terms of the play calling and the adjustments and things like that, you know, that maybe he'll, he'll, uh, you know, he'll, he'll really simplify in order to, to make things work better in a way. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely agree with that for sure. Gotcha. All right. Um, <laughs> Jer's on, on, Jer's mute, on mute, so. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, trying to do my job, too. Um, hot button issue, Mitchell Trubisky. We've, we went through it last week. What are your thoughts on where you feel like he should be this year? Well, I think honestly, man, I was I was actually really impressed with Brett Coleman's breakdown. I, I don't I'm sure you guys watch it as well. I don't, I don't really know you guys' thoughts on it, but I think 
I think that a lot of it kind of comes down to mechanical stuff, and that's something that's kind of been an issue for him all along. I mean, the, the, the inaccuracy at times has been troubling, but I think a lot of that comes down to just the lower body mechanics. And I think in order for him to really progress to the next level, and I'm expecting it, I think Trubisky is going to be a completely different quarterback. I think we've all pretty well defended Trubisky a lot more than we've you know, criticized him. But I think in order for him to really step into that, that next step and really kind of, I don't know, be the, be the quarterback that they drafted him to be. I think a lot of it comes down to mechanics with him. And I think just the overall consistency. And I think part of that's Matt Nagy's play calling. I really do. Because I, it, again, I think going back and, and looking at some of the stuff that he was, he was kind of forcing on the offense and it was weirdly conservative or weirdly uh, just overdone. And it's like, you know, you're not really going to your bread and butter. You're not really doing that. And I think also having, Robinson going into a second year of the ACL tear, you know, and, and, and finally getting healthy, finally looked like the receiver that they paid $50 million a year to or 14, whatever it was. And then obviously Anthony Miller going into year two. And, but it's just, I think he's going to take the next step, but I think a lot of it comes down to mechanic, mechanical stuff. And, and it's just really purely consistency. It's like, you know, he'd have those moments where you're just you're watching him, especially in that Green Bay game. He'd have those moments where he'd roll out and he'd make those throws. That, that throw to Adam Shaheen, it was like you you wouldn't have seen that in 2017, and you sure as hell wouldn't have seen it in the very beginning of the year uh, last year. And it was like he'd make those throws, but then you'd have those moments like in the in the Eagles playoff game where, you know, it's like, what are you looking at? You know, and, and some of the inaccuracies, obviously the Rams game was the situation where I think – you know, the, the shoulder was a little stiff and, you know, the just playing playing in prime time for whatever reason was kind of an issue for him for, a, you know, a, a decent amount of the year. But I think it's again, it's just coming down to consistency. And I think a lot of that is mechanical. I think a lot of it has to do with footwork. I think a lot of it has to do with his hips. I mean, really what Brett broke down was damn near what a lot of us have been talking about, what a lot of us have been seeing. But I will say it was very, very nice to see somebody from the national side that can also recognize it's like nobody's wanting to write him off as a bad quarterback and nobody's wanting to give him the elite label. But I think we've all seen enough of the good and bad to at least say, this guy has a lot of talent, but he needs to clean some things up. And I think that's pretty much where I'm at. I mean, just more consistency and, you know, just, again, mechanics. I think that's really what it comes down to. I think Brett did a great job on that film breakdown. It was very fair. Um, like you said, a, a lot of the things he was saying, I, I, I felt the same exact way. Um, at, at times last year, it was like a we, – we, I used to call it the Mitchell coaster. It was just up and down, but he's developing. I think um, things are looking up for him, and, and like A's – said several times his leadership is definitely there he's he's a pr dream um as, as far as how he's been handling that he's the anti-cutler in that that aspect of things <laughs> but um <laughs> what do you uh how, how serious are you taking um haha's knee sprain do you think that's something we need to worry about or do you think it's just something that they're just being cautious with like they have been in the past with players with Na- under naggy i think they're being 100 percent overly cautious right now i i, I don't think it's I think that if this was the, the John Fox era, I think he'd probably be out there right now um, or, you know, out there on Thursday or Friday or whenever the hell they actually start practicing. I, I don't think it's a big thing. And it's kind of one of those things going back to last year. And this is something that I've had to kind of remind myself, too. I, you know, Aaron Lynch hurt himself the first day of practice. I don't know if you guys remember that first day of training camp practice. He goes out there. He hurts himself. He doesn't practice at all during training camp. He doesn't practice at all during the preseason. Didn't play within the preseason one snap the entire time. And then week one, he's out there starting. And I think really, I think we 
maybe devalue um, the OTAs and the minicamp a little bit just because we're not there. We're not seeing it. We're getting very little information because, you know, thank, thank you, Bears PR staff. I mean, we really appreciate it. It's, it's really cool to have a Super Bowl caliber team, and we can't even get excited because we don't have any information. But I think it's one of those situations where I think a lot of the installments, I think a lot of the core values of what this team is doing are being installed before any of us are really seeing what's going on. I think the preseason's more of, you know, obviously honing in on some of that stuff and, and, and really kind of getting it to a repetition standpoint. But at the same time, I think that the real value has already come in terms of what Ha Ha has been doing. I mean, I'm sure he probably knows the defense pretty well by now. And, and I think he can go out there and watch him. I'm not overly concerned even if he doesn't play a snap in, in training camp, a snap in preseason. I mean, realistically, if you really think about it, even last year, it's like, what did the starters play? Maybe maybe three total quarters in the entire preseason they played five games. I mean, the, the, the realistic thing about this is, is they're probably not going to play that much anyway, and while it would be nice to have them out there practicing, I think we can all say the same thing in terms of as long as he's out there week one, and I think that's really kind of the goal for a lot of these guys, as long as he's out there week one, I don't think any of this really much matters. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be very cautious. It's funny you bring it. I, I was joking about Aaron Lynch. I was just like, what is going? I mean, I think a lot of people were was like, what is going on with this guy? You know, and, you know, I kind of felt like, well, maybe he's a made man because of his history with Fangio, you know, or whatever. But it was like, are they seriously just going to put this guy on the team, you know, without, I mean, they barely saw him in pads. You know, <laughs> like it was, it was kind of funny, you know, how he sort of just coasted through, um, you know, so I, I mean, I, I hope he's healthy this year uh, for sure, you know, because I think he can definitely contribute. But, you know, it's uh, the next guy up in that in that category is and I think the, the Bears have talked about this, you know, as a guy that really needs to step up. And of course, you know, I guess he's in a contract year is, of course, Leonard Floyd. Uh, what are your thoughts on Floyd's uh, you know, season coming up? Yeah, man, I'm probably going to sound a little cynical by saying this, but. This this hype every year of oh this is gonna be Leonard Floyd's breakout year I, I just I gotta believe it's there I gotta see it to believe it and, and that's not to say because I don't think Leonard Floyd is a bad player I actually yeah he didn't really have that many sacks last year but I actually thought he he fit his role pretty damn well and I think it's gonna be a little bit more straightforward under Pagano because Fangio was having him do a lot of weird stuff I I don't understand and I will never understand dropping. I don't care how athletic these guys are. I never understand dropping an edge rusher into coverage, especially as consistently as Leonard Floyd was dropped into coverage. I mean, he was just asked to do a lot of different things, and he's – I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of Floyd coming out of Georgia. I'll be the first one to admit that. He's actually been a much better player than I thought he would be, and and I think to a certain extent – I mean, obviously it would be really cool to see him get 10 or 12 sacks, but I think if he can produce – at the level that he produced the last half of last or you know, that the last half of last year, really, I mean, that's, I, I think that would be more than fine. And he seems to show up. And that's the other thing I've noticed too, is he seems to show up big in big games. I mean, look at the, I mean, he's always done really well against the Packers. He had a, if I remember right, he had a sack in the, in the Eagles game as well. Uh, I think that was in the first or second quarter. So I don't know. I, I, I maybe, maybe it's just, I've, mentally accepted that who he is is who he is but i also don't think he's a bad player i actually think he's a pretty good player and maybe not worth uh, the 14 million dollars that he's expected to get on his uh on the fifth year option but i don't really need to see that breakout year where he gets 10 or 12 sacks it would be great but i think he's a pretty valuable player at what he is right now i mean maybe that's maybe that's off base on my part but that's kind of where i'm at with him yeah well i mean i'm, I'm hoping that as you said that 
he just gets to rush the passer more. I mean, you know, people have been much has been made and we've talked, you know, lots of times about as many have about, you know, this perceived idea of regression by the defense, which is mostly going to be because of the loss of Fangio. And, and to, to me, as much as the defense was fantastic last year, there was plenty of times where I was like screaming at the television, like, what is happening? Why are you dropping these guys into coverage? What are we doing? What is this soft zone crap? You know, what is this pseudo prevent crap? You know, like it, it, and Floyd, I think was the one that got the worst end of the stick on a lot of that. And some of it was his injury, um, you know, and, and he actually did pretty well. I think, you know, you mentioned he played the run pretty well. He, you know, he uses athleticism, um, but you know, the, the new linebackers coach has come out and said that he's got the best tools of anybody on the team. Um, you know, and, and I'm like you, I'm kind of cynical. Like I'm tired of the Leonard Floyd hype train every year, you know, and hearing about how he just needs to get confidence and he's just got to, you know, and it's like my deal with him is I just feel like he doesn't like to get his nose in there and get dirty. Like if the play seems like it's over, he's happy to not be a part of it. You know, whereas a, a lot of guys will stick their nose in any mess and any, and any garbage and, and try to get what they can get, get the ball, you know, he doesn't seem like that kind of player, and I don't think he's ever going to be that kind of player. You know, he, he just needs to be a guy that's consistent and gets the pressures and, and frankly, benefits from the fact that you've got Cleo Mack who's getting doubled and tripled. You know, like, that's all we want. And you guys always you guys always give me a hard time about players playing up to their, their draft potential. But um, John just did an article that was a little pretty interesting to me. Um, part of the article, he was talking about how that, that draft panned out. Like we traded up from 11 to nine to get Floyd because we wanted to hop the giants back then, but the giants ended up taking Eli Apple and the bucks with our pick ended up taking Vernon Hargrave. So I, I don't really, looking at it like that. I'm like, okay, we, we, we actually made out pretty good in that scenario. But, um, I, I think to me, Floyd has to be a 10, 10, at least a 10 sack a year guy with playing across from Mac to to live up to what, what we think he should be. But do you think that's realistic, though? I mean... Uh, if you're ever going to succeed, like, I think they brought Mac in because they realized Floyd wasn't what they thought he... what Pace saw in him, the potential. You, you bring Mac in to basically say, hey, this is what this is what we were expecting from this guy. We need this guy on the team. But now you... He, I'm sorry, I, I don't see had, that I mean, Even if Floyd wasn't... No, I, I'm not saying I see it. I'm just saying if there's ever time to blossom and become... To, to live up to your full potential, it's when playing across from the best in the game. Like, he's playing across from Mac. I, right. I really... And, and no excuses. If he's healthy, no excuses. I mean, I think there's a lot of people this season that we could say that about. And even Virginia McCaskey said at Bears 100... No excuses. You know, you guys have the best facilities and you have all the talent in the world and, you know, you got all the support. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Yeah. So, I mean, it it, it is for real a put up or shut up year for Floyd. But, you know, I I don't know. I'm not uh, predicting any breakout season from him. I just want him to to be a contributor, a consistent contributor, you know, and, and, and less of us talking about the almost plays that he made, you know, and uh, more talking about the, the actual plays that he made, like he does in the Packers games. And he seems to play good against the division for whatever reason. Thank God. Yeah. Well, I, what I don't do you know. Think? What, I, what, 
What do you I guess I've just accepted Floyd. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I, I've never been a big Floyd fan, so he, I've never really had a vested interest in, you know, one way or another. So maybe that's just where I'm at with him. I don't know. Leonard Floyd's a weird guy, man. You either love him or you don't like him at all. He's kind of, it's almost kind of like Jordan Howard. You either really like the guy or you just don't. Well, I think that's, if there's a dig on Pace, I, Pace definitely really, you know, kind of sticks with his guys. I mean, I think he stuck with Kevin White too long, and I kind of get the sense that he's going to stick with Shaheen a little bit too long, and, you know, maybe he's sticking with Floyd a little bit too long, although, I mean, I feel like he's probably, you know, the option's not a terrible move. I don't really know what would be out there for them uh, to pick up otherwise, but... You know, I mean, I think he, Pace likes to be right, and he's right pretty often, but I think sometimes he really digs his heels in a little bit. Go ahead, Jer. Uh, What would you think would constitute a successful season for for Floyd? I mean, does it have to be 10 sacks? Does it have to be, I mean, availability has to be number one in my book. You got to play all 16. I want to see him play 16 games. I, I, you know, I think he has to get at least, seven or eight sacks, um, you know, and like I said, I just want to see him be a factor in games. I want to see, you know, uh, him getting in the mix, you know, and not disappearing, um, you know, for, for quarters. And Wrong, Aaron. Okay. <laughs> <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head, though. I mean, that was exactly what I was thinking, seven, eight sacks. And I think the other thing, I mean, look at what the Packers just did. Look at what the Packers just did and who they paid. They paid Preston Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. And neither one of those guys are 10-second-year guys. And I think, what, Preston Smith got like 13 and Zadarius got like 16. So I think there's absolutely value in being a well-rounded edge rusher with the ability to have seven or eight sacks. And, and Brian, I 100% get it in terms of you, you traded up. Not only did you draft the guy in the top ten, but you traded up to draft him. Uh, but, again, I think maybe that's where I'm kind of different, where I didn't like the pick to begin with. I never really liked going with the older prospects. I mean, it was kind of the same thing with Kevin White, although completely different situation, obviously. But it's, I don't know, I, I just, maybe my expectations are just lower, and maybe it also helps, like you pointed out, too. And I think you are I think you hit, absolutely hit the nail on the head in terms of the reason they went out and got Khalil Mack is because Leonard Floyd probably wasn't the guy that they they thought they were getting, uh, you know, at nine overall, which is fine. I mean, it, it happens. I mean, for being completely honest, some of Ryan Pace's first round picks have been, you know, a little hit and miss. I mean, it just is what it is. That's with every GM. I, I completely understand that, but I'm also glad that pace was big enough and, you know, not egotistical enough to, to be able to admit that issue and not continue to force the issue and not pursue somebody like a Mac. So at least, at least the bears have that going for him. But, I think it's going to be interesting because, I mean, at what point can you justify the fifth-year option for him? Because, I mean, can you can you justify – because, like I said, I think it's 13 or $14 million. I have to look it up again. Maybe it's closer to 13 But either way, I mean, you're talking $13 million, and let's say he ends up with five or six sacks. It's like, can you really justify paying – a older guy in a rookie contract that would be going into his fifth year option. That's not really ever consistently stayed healthy. That's never really consistently produced. And you're paying Khalil Mack pretty much $26 million a year starting next year. It's like, can you really justify doing that? Or does it make more sense to decline that option, save some money, 
maybe try to re-sign him at a lower deal or simply go out and sign another free agent at half that price and then spend one of your second-round picks on one. I don't know. I mean, Leonard Floyd's an interesting one. He really is because I don't think there's really any right or wrong answer just because we need to see what he does in 2019 and really see – is this guy worth it? Is he worth keeping around? And then that's the other thing, too. If he gets 10 or 12 sacks a year, it's then it's like, okay, you got him on the fifth-year option, but good luck trying to re-sign him after that. Definitely. Yeah. It's just frustrating with him because we have a guy that's commanding at sometimes triple teams. So, like, it just you just want that guy on the other side of him that's going to capitalize off of that on a consistent basis. So um, if, the, if it's not Floyd, I'm hoping they find somebody because it would be nice to – have guys that command attention on both sides to kind of lessen that pressure on Mac at times too. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the way they, the way they, you know, go after Mac, it feels like anybody could get a sack. Exactly. That's you what know, I'm saying. Like, like, come on, Leonard, just step up, man. Like when, if there's ever a time to do it, you got the best in the game, like commanding attention, like just go, like we were talking like that killer instinct. I hope he, I hope he, something just sparks him this year where he has it. Cause it's, I'm tired of the, fin- the finesse. I just hope he goes in there and just, create wreaks havoc well and the other thing you guys aren't well, the other thing you guys aren't mentioning either is i mean we're not even talking to keem hicks and and what eddie goldman's doing uh, in the middle oh, yeah. i mean that, that's the other thing too i mean yeah i mean if we're being honest right. it's i mean leonard floyd's got it pretty damn easy being the other edge rusher on a team that's loaded with with front-end talent on the defensive line i mean uh, i mean that's, that's Nichols very good too. Point. it's like Bilal's yeah no i agree I agree. Well, that's 100%. what I'm saying. Like, I feel like Floyd, Floyd, a lot of times when the play is not to his side or whatever the case is, he just runs himself into blocks and gives crap effort. I mean, that's what I see from him is I don't see a dog who's out there trying to find his way into the play. No matter what I see a guy who's like, okay, well, let me save it for the next time, you know, when I'm singled on the edge or whatever, and I can, you know, try some move. And it's like, I mean, that's the thing about Khalil Mack is like sometimes he has these amazing, beautiful spins. And but when he doesn't, he then never gives up. He's like under the pile, you know, shooting his arms out, trying to get the ball. You know, he might get blocked out of the play and all of a sudden he squeezes in. I just don't see Floyd doing any of that stuff. You know, and it's hard to compare him to a generational probably, you know, potential Hall of Famer like Khalil Mack. But at the same time, like you could still see a guy and go, yeah, you know, he was completely satisfied to just be blocked on that play, you know, and, and it wasn't about the club. I mean, I didn't think there was times where, you know, it just looked like he wasn't, he didn't really want it. And so we'll see, you know, if it happens this year, but I think what you talk about with those guys that the Packers signed, if, if, if uh, Leonard Floyd has five or six sacks, he's going to get himself a $15 million a year contract, especially if the bears have a good season. I mean, you know, and they get a lot of notoriety and the defense is in the top two, top five. You know, he's going to he's going to uh, cash in. And I don't think it's going to be for the Bears. Yeah, I, I agree. I, they, they're getting to a point where they really can't. I mean, they already got what Eddie Jackson. They got to worry about Cody Whitehair Tariq Cohen. I mean, they got all sorts of guys that are coming up that. And at least in my mind, are going to be more impactful players. I mean, obviously, Edge Rusher is a big one, but when you have a guy like Khalil Mack on one side and you got Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman and Bilal Nichols in the middle and all that stuff too, I I think that you can afford to take a chance on maybe a cheaper free agent, maybe load up on one or two of those guys at half the price. And then, I mean, at some point, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to draft another Edge Rusher. I mean, you can't. 
it's not feasible in today's NFL to not only pay a quarterback, and that's the other thing. When we talked about paying Trubisky yet, I mean, you're going to be paying a quarterback, you're going to be paying a star safety, you're going to be paying your offensive line big money, you're going to be paying, you know, Tariq Cohen, whatever it is. And then on top of it, it's like then you're going to be paying Khalil Mack $26 million a year average over the next three or four years, and then you're expecting to pay Leonard Floyd anywhere from $10, $12, 13000000 million a year. It's just not feasible. So long term, I mean, he may not be – really in the plans anyway i think they'll probably keep him as long as they can afford him but i mean it does bring up a good point of you know if he does have let's just say six seven sacks this year or six seven sacks next year if they keep him on his fifth year option which they can pull at any time as long as he's not injured then you know it's one of those situations where he'll be what 28 29 years old i mean he's a little bit older on a rookie deal anyway and i just don't i don't see any way how it's going to be feasible even if the cap jumps up another 20 25 million dollars before they have to deal with that yeah, for sure. Well, there's there is the the one the one of the things we haven't talked about, which I think bears a little bit of talking about, is the old kicker situation. <laughs> um, my question is, and I think I'm sure you've been asked this before, or seen it asked, is do you feel like it's Fry or Pinero, or is the kicker still out there somewhere in, in the uh, on a construction site or on another roster or something? I definitely. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being cynical, but I definitely don't see either one of these guys panning out. I, I it, and it makes sense. I mean, Ryan Pace talked about it and he basically talked about how Jamie Cole's coming in, reworking these guys mechanics. And sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. I, I get that aspect, but it was weird to me how, how he described both of these guys. It's like, so he describes Pinheiro as the guy with a big leg, you know, natural leg talent, but needs a lot of work in terms of, uh, you know, just overall mechanics and form and all the stuff that I have no clue about kickers. So we'll just go with all that. And then you got a guy like Fry, Elliot Fry, where he's basically saying the exact opposite. It's like, Oh, so what you're saying is if you meld these two guys together, you might actually have a good kicker. But right now you got one guy that maybe lacks a little bit of a leg that you're hoping is magically going to find a leg. And then you got a guy with a big leg that you're hoping can actually learn how to be a kicker instead of a soccer player so if it if i had to guess i mean i would say because i mean just look at there's a few situations i mean and i'm sure we're going to beat this one to death too i'm sure i probably already have kari vetvik uh the kicker slash punter came from marshall and he's been with uh with the ravens he's going into his second yeah. year i mean he's gonna have to go somewhere they got sam coke as their punter and they've got uh justin tucker that that whole concept of the bears trading a first round pick or second round pick is not going to happen that's just that makes no, no sense uh, you know, so obviously he's going to be out there. And I think the other one to kind of monitor a little bit is going to be the Brown situation because they have Austin Seibert. I'm a big Oklahoma fan. I'll be the first one admitting again. I don't know how to evaluate kickers. So take this with a grain of salt, but I was never a big fan of Seibert at Oklahoma. I didn't think he was a good punter. I sure as hell didn't think he was a good, uh, a good kicker. I'm hoping he wins that job because I actually thought Joseph was pretty decent last year. I think he was like 17 for 20 and has a pretty decent leg. So that would be the other competition that I would definitely pay attention to because I can't see them going after Cairo Santos again once Matt Gay wins a job in Tampa Bay. Yeah. That breaks <laughs> AA's Cleveland Browns rule. brought back Carlos Santos. <laughs> I think that would be horrifying. One thing we've talked about and some people have talked about is Pat O'Donnell as a holder being uh, some sort of kryptonite. Um, because, you know, I mean, even he, he wasn't even great with gold, um, as a holder. What, do you think there's anything to that about O'Donnell being a, being not a great holder? You know, what's funny is I think a lot of us kind of at the same time, like a light just came on and we're, we, we may be completely off base. I mean, I don't know. I bet then again, the bears don't, haven't really proved that they can evaluate a kicker. So who knows who's off base, but I feel like that, that, that light kind of clicked on for a lot of us at the same time. It's like, 
maybe O'Donnell's the problem. I mean, they've had a different long snapper. They've had multiple different kickers. I mean, they've had successful kickers. I mean, even Cody Parkey. I mean, the guy obviously was a little bit of a head case, especially in, you know, not like personally, but just, you know, in, in terms of game situations. But it's like even Cody Parkey was a pretty good kicker before he came to Chicago. I understand Soldier Field has a little bit to do with that, but at the same time, I mean, like you said, Pat O'Donnell has been here through all of the issues that they've had. So at some point, you would think that they would look at him as, as the holder. And and I, I won't say who it is. I'll just say that I, we, I have a group chat with a few different people that uh, have much more connections than I do. I'll just put it that way. And they, they were able to reach out to different kickers, different punters, different special teams guys in general. And there's been a few different people who have said absolutely some of his holds, some of the pictures that you can find in, in the videos and stuff like that, some of his holds were bad. I mean, there's just no other way around it. And again, I don't know anything about kicking. I don't know anything about holding. I don't know anything about punting. But that's kind of how I start basing my opinions is when you got guys that were in the league that did it professionally, uh, that actually know what they're looking for, know what they're talking about, that said, yeah, that's definitely an issue and kind of explain why it is that, you know, O'Donnell shouldn't hold it the way he does. And, you know, some of the other stuff, I, I definitely think there's some merit to it. But I do find it weird that the last two years the Bears have had multiple opportunities to go away from him and they haven't. So then it kind of comes down to maybe I, you know, maybe I'm just completely off base with this, or maybe the Bears simply do not know how to evaluate special teams as a whole, which seems like a pretty sizable stretch too. I don't know. That's a weird situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Tabor, in my opinion, should should be on the hot seat. Um, and I don't get the sense that he is at all. I think they seem to be fine with him. I think there was a lot more than the bad place kicking going on last year. Um, you know, I think there was some weird <laughs> returner choices at some strange times and some bad coverages, you know, uh, kickoff coverage, you know, obviously in the Patriot game, you know, I don't think Tabor is doing a good job at all. I mean, honestly, I think since Dave Tobe has left, we've kind of been in a, special teams funk i mean to be honest you know i and and i feel like the kicker position has kind of gotten a lot of the attention and and to some degree when you have a bad starting roster you're going to have bad special teams and that's what happens um but i mean to me i think the whole special teams in general is 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 probably my biggest fear in this you know in this offseason i mean obviously Corderell okay so he's a kickoff returner but how many returns of a kickoff do you even get i mean what maybe like five a season you know where you actually get to like return a kick on the kickoff and they all go out of the end zone and the other thing about the special about the the soldier field aspect is why are all the visiting kickers so good you know <laughs> that's, like, that's what i don't question. get it's like the visiting kickers are great and they never kick there <laughs> and yet yeah. we always want to blame the blame soldier field and the supposed wind. And it's like, I don't know. I think the bears are just spoiled for so long with Robbie gold. And they just didn't think about kickers for a long time. And, and now we're in kicker purgatory where you just don't want to be. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I can't remember who it was. I, and maybe it was two different people. I think it was Bill Zimmerman. And Jonathan Wood both it was right about the time that we all started kind of talking about the whole holding situation and you know maybe there's a larger issue than just a kicker and they both I, I want to say they both pulled up stats and it was basically like 
I think it was visiting kickers at Soldier Field. It was like 5 or 10% higher field goal percentage than any Bears kicker in the last, what was it, five years since Pat O'Donnell's been the holder. And I mean, obviously, the, there's always more to blame than, than just one thing, but Again, I mean, it's just it's it's one of those situations where you definitely have to question. And I'm I'm with you with Tabor too. I was not a big fan of the hire. Uh, the, I, I know quite a few Browns fans. I know quite a few people who cover the Browns, and everybody's like, "Yeah, good luck with that." And you know, it's kind yeah, of like well, the I have a, I have a stupid rule that I like to enact that makes absolutely no sense, probably, but it's no <laughs> Browns. I want no Browns. And that's I don't fair. Want anybody that's ever been involved with the Browns. So <laughs> well, I'm worried about Buster Screen and for that fact. Taylor Gabriel, though. Okay, but when, when he got <laughs> a cup of coffee on the Browns. And, and to be honest, I don't. I think Taylor Gabriel has a lot to prove this season. I think he's a, if he doesn't have a good year, we're not going to see him for year three. I think a lot of that, a lot of that was Mitch's development, though, because there was tons of plays where Gabriel was wide open. So that's my guy, so I'm I'm gonna defend him. No, I agree with you, but I'm saying I don't, you know, I don't look at him as like a guy who had like this amazing season last year. Well, I like Taylor Gabriel too, but I mean, it kind of comes down to the cap situation again. It's like, can you really justify paying both of those guys, you know, with him and Allen Robinson? I don't know if they can in year three. I mean, this is, I, I actually thought that Taylor Gabriel was one of the more underrated aspects of the Bears' offense last year. I think he's. Even in my film evaluation before he came to the Bears, he was actually a much better overall receiver than I thought. Much more consistent hands, a fantastic route runner, which kind of surprised me. But yeah, I don't know. I, it, this the whole the whole kicking situation in general. You know, the whole Browns thing, and that's kind of my thing. Like, right? You know, we we watched the Bears when they sucked. So the one thing that we all kind of knew what to look for is bad players, bad coaches just suck in general. Like we, and that's kind of the same thing. Like that's kind of my approach with Browns fans when they kind of told me, you know, when they were all kind of reacting, that's like, they know what bad looks like. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that you can say, Oh, it's the Browns. They didn't have any good players, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, but they still know what bad looks like. And right. the fact that they thought there was an issue and yeah, I wasn't impressed at all. I actually, I'm actually on the fence in terms of I think that that he may be Tabor may be probably the worst special teams coordinator that they've had since Dave Tobas left. I mean that's kind of where I'm at. You can't have this much talent on a roster and have the kind of production as a special teams unit. Well, exactly. I mean, I just think there was this weird era where it was like, let's get rid of uh, good coaches. Let's get rid of Lovey. Let's get rid of Tobe. I mean, Lovey kind of had run its course or whatever, I guess. But, you know, and, and, and Emery's going to bring in his own guy. But I just feel like, you know, it, it was weird. It was like, you know, it was like, here's people with su- successful track records who kind of did a lot with very little and they get shown the door and, since then, I mean, you know, people talk about the curse of Robbie Gold. Well, how about the curse of Dave Tobe? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, I mean, they, they, they really have had bad special teams since then, um, you know. And I, I honestly think we'll miss uh, – that's the biggest area we're going to miss Josh Bellamy is on special teams uh, because he was really putting together some great games on the kick coverage. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I hope that uh, – I hope they get it together because it's it's probably the most pressurized. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's a higher pressure position in sports than Bears kicker right now. Yeah, that's unfortunately <laughs> that's the truth, and unfortunately we're also in a position where what they they signed Redford Jones back at the what was it like middle of January to a futures contract, and we knew Cody Parkey was gone probably what a few weeks after that. I mean, it's it's been 
what, six, seven months that we've known that Cody Park is gone, and they're no closer to fixing the kicking situation than they were when, when all this first started happening. Yeah, and we're not going to know anything. I mean, we'll know a little bit from the preseason, but we're not going to know anything until September 5th, I mean, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's not, you know, scary. it's not going it, to it's it's just not going to be anything we can be certain of unless, you know, some surprise cut, some veteran, you know, steady veteran ends up getting cut. And and that just, you know, presents itself. But even then, you know, I mean, in the annals of Bears kickers history, Cody Parkey's not even that bad and statistics wise. <laughs> you know, So. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of that, it's that, it's that elephant in the room, <laughs> you know, at this point. And it's like, I don't want it to, to, you know, to kill my buzz, uh, about the bears, but you know, I mean, I'd be fine if they, if they, uh, you know, just, uh, <laughs> went for two all the time and, 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 uh, you know, went for it on fourth down or something. <laughs> That wasn't a buzzkill to this episode at all, by the way. The whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> can't not talk about it. Can't not talk about it. It's a thing. <laughs> no, I hear you, man. I hate that it's a thing. God, I hate it. It's a thing. Yeah. Well, so what? Are you a predictions guy, Aaron? Are you? Are you? What? Do you have a, any kind of predictions for this season, or are you? You know, kind of just see it play out. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely. Let's just put it this way. I'm a predictions person uh i am usually somewhat close on the bears uh the one thing i will say and i'll just throw this out there for anybody listening including you guys uh the last two times that i've picked super bowl teams um sets of super bowl teams none of them made the playoffs so just as an fyi i'm not going to predict the bears to win the super bowl even make it to the super bowl because if they miss the playoffs, that would really suck. So I, I do think, in terms of expectations, I think, I think because of their schedule, at least on paper, I'd say 12 and four. I, I think 12 and four, 11 to five, 12 and four, more realistic, more realistically, 12 and four would make the most sense. I think a first round by winning a playoff game and and ideally hosting the NFC Championship game, I think would be would be a very good step for them. Uh, I mean, obviously, it'd still be disappointing when all things came to an end, but superstition is going to go ahead and stop me right there in terms of making any more predictions. So that's, that's what, that's what I'll say. I'm hoping for, I guess. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm in the same boat. I mean, it's hard for me to find more than four losses on the schedule. I would say in terms of the, the, the strength of schedule and whatnot, the, the only thing that kind of worries me a little bit is we are, we seem to be facing a lot of playoff quarterbacks, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, as opposed to last year, you know, where there's not going to be, I mean, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick was hot, you know, it's not going to be, there's not any Nathan Petermans on the schedule this year, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's, um, you know, whoever, I, I don't know if it, did the Jets start Darnold when we played, I mean, you know, there was some, there were some games last year where we played some pretty bad quarterbacks and this year, you know, other than the, the Redskins and the Broncos, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of pretty high quality quarterbacks, I feel like. So, I mean, that's sort of the, you know, the, the, even though there's not a lot of difference in the quote unquote win percentage of it, but I feel like, you know, you're playing a lot of playoff teams, uh, you know, with some, with some quality quarterbacks. But I mean, as I say, you know, every team on the schedule has to play the bears too. So. 
Well, that's I, I think that's kind of the thing, too. I mean, even looking back on last year, I, there was multiple people who thought the Bears were going to have a hard schedule last year. And I think to a certain extent, when when you when you're not a good team and you're playing teams that you look at and you say, oh, that's a good team and that's a playoff team, then it looks a little bit more intimidating versus the Bears right now where it's like they're. They're the hunted. They're not really going out hunting anymore. They are the hunted. They are the one team that, you know, a lot of, you know, most teams are circling on their schedule is this may be a loss. And and I think that's kind of something to keep in mind, too, for fans in general is just we kind of have to rewire our own brains. We're not we're not used to watching a Bears team that's actually good, that's actually going to be favored in games. Obviously, it happened last year, but, I mean, that, that was a very, very rare thing that we haven't seen for a while. And I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, is the regularity in which a the the strength of schedule plays out versus you know what is projected as you know in in the previous year versus what it actually ends up being is usually not very similar so yeah the bears may have one of the hardest schedules in the league on paper right now but i mean last year at least for me i i thought minnesota was going to be really good i thought green bay was going to be good i mean there were multiple teams on that schedule I thought the Giants were going to be good, which is obviously a big miss on my part. But there were multiple teams on the Bears' schedule in which I thought were going to be very good teams that ended up not being very good teams at all. And I think the same thing is going to kind of happen this year. And, again, I think it's just kind of switching that mindset to realizing the Bears are really damn good football team. In terms of roster, I'd say they have a top-three roster. And, I mean, as long as Trubisky takes the steps that he needs to take, which I expect he will, and even if the defense regresses a little bit, I think the offense is going to be so much better to where it's not going to be a factor – uh, you know, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I think we just have to rewire our brains a little bit to remember. It's like, yeah, the schedule may look tough. One that doesn't mean anything. Cause we, we've seen how that plays out in past history, but at the same time, the bears are really damn good. So they should beat most of these teams. Do you feel like there's, I mean, sometimes it really does feel like there is like an anti bears sentiment in the national media. Is it, is it just because our fan base is so easily like riled up? And and we have such a big fan base, you know, that I mean, obviously, when when more money is being placed on the Bears than any other team in Vegas, you know, I mean, it's it's a it's you know, we've the Bears have awakened a sleeping giant in terms of the fan base. You feel like that, you know, some of these national guys like Lombardi and and, you know, Barnwell and some of these guys that just seem to just have nothing ever good to say about the Bears. Are they just doing it for clicks and you know, uh, attention because they know that they'll get it because Bears fans, you know, love to get triggered or, or what are they, are they, you know, or why does it seem that way? Am I crazy? Cause it always seems like everybody hates the bears except for us. I try to stay as objective as humanly possible just because I don't want it really leaking into my writing and in, in terms of being, you know, Homer really, like, obviously I'm a huge fan, but I, I try not to present it that way in my, in my articles and stuff like that. And my thought process but I think you're 100% right. I mean, it's just one of those like I've I've tried I've tried looking at the other side of things and saying, you know, the national media isn't against the Bears. It's just you know an us versus them mentality. No, I really don't. I there's just no way. There's no way that my brain can possibly wrap itself around the fact that they're not being the way that they are. I mean, there's just, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's maybe, I mean, I've heard from a few different people who don't cover the bears that, especially on Twitter, we can get pretty rowdy. And I get that. I mean, I've been guilty multiple times of maybe quote, quote tweeting stuff and bringing attention to stuff that maybe I shouldn't have. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know how many people I've seen nationally that have projected the bears to not only not make the playoffs, but to have a losing record. 
And yeah. some of these guys, like Andy Bennett from uh, SI, I mean, the dude, right. I, I mean. He's I, always should, got an axe to grind against the Bears. Well, that, the same he guys. Just, he, he seems, I mean, him and Jason Luck on four, of course, right. but. It's with Bennett. I feel like he's one of those guys that I actually really used to like the stuff that he did, regardless of how we felt about the Bears. But I feel like he's kind of he's kind of just dove off the deep end lately. But I mean, there's and it's weird. And then you have guys like Matt Miller who smashed the Bears for years. He smashed the Bears when they hired Ryan Pace. He smashed the Bears when when they had the draft with Trubisky. And he put out that in my mind, and maybe I'm wrong, but in my mind it that seemed like a fake quote from a fake source about that the you know Ryan Pace lost he was going to lose his job over this blah blah you know but okay. it's like but but guys like Matt Miller are on the train and then you get other guys that are that, that are diving on but for the most part especially within the big media ESPN NFL Network CBS all the main places that people are going to go to it seems like a lot of people are absolutely against the Bears and what's kind of weird to me is the one guy that usually projects the Bears to be really bad year in and year out like overly, overly bad. Uh, Nate Davis of, uh, of USA Today actually projected him. I think he projected him as a wild card, but I want to say he still had him at like 10 or 11 wins, which I thought was kind of weird. But for the most part, I I agree. I mean, I don't – that's not like Lewis Riddick, who's – and I think he's the way he is because Matt Nagy is, is a good friend to him. Outside of that, I mean, there's not really anybody who's ever overly in love with the Bears, and it seems like a lot of them – whether they're trying to get reactions out of Bears fans, get clicks, whatever it is, or whether they just have some sort of vendetta, uh, you know, there's definitely something there. And I think part of it, I honestly believe part of it has to do with the fact that they didn't hire the media favorite darling and Chris Ballard. They went with a guy like Ryan Pace. And I, I really think that a lot of things kind of changed right around that time. That was right about the time that they started getting really bad. And, and I think it's just kind of changing. It's taking a while for people to kind of change their minds and realizing the Bears are actually a pretty good team, and I don't think a lot of people want to accept it. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, the hate the hate kind of fuels you though as a fan, where like it's going to yeah. be. It, it, once we get to the promise land, it's going to be just that much sweeter with all the hate, you know. I just, I hope, man, I hope, because I, I have so many things saved, and I'm going to go on a hate <laughs> rampage. I'm exactly. sure you guys all do. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, oh man, I hope, Please. I really hope, because I have been yeah. enjoying this. It's, the Lions, it's the same thing with the Lions last year. Lions fans, there's just Lions fans everywhere before the season started. I'm like, okay, you just wait, just wait, just wait. And then it was like, but then it got to a point where I actually kind of felt bad for them. And then they got to the offseason like, man, I'm going to pour it on even harder next year. And that's the same thing I'm going to do with Packers fans. That's the same thing I'm going to do with everybody. It's like the Bears have been bad long enough. We've all suffered long enough. We've been the, the you know, the crap stain of – of the entire, you know, the entire league in terms of fan base and the, and, and the Bears just being bad. You know, it's it's time to actually enjoy it. And I've kind of never really been the person to rub stuff in people's faces, but I think it's kind of well-deserved at this point. Yeah, I think uh, old takes exposed uh, Twitter site might crash. <laughs> <laughs> the Bears win the Super Bowl because it's just going to be like an onslaught of of I oh, told yeah. so we're, we're going to break Twitter if that happens, man. Yeah, all we got yeah. is uh, you know all we have on our side, uh, which is good. I like you know Adam Rank and uh, we got Baldinger and we got Lewis Riddick and <laughs> I can't really think of anybody else in the national media that's like really you know pro Bears except for uh, sometimes Kay Adams and. Um, Oh, I can't think of the other guy on on Wake Up Football. Oh, you're talking about Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, his last name. But yeah, he's he he tends to be. But I feel like it's more of a shtick. Like it's it's more of like I'm from Chicago, you know. Yeah, I kind of got that. I've kind of got that. Even from Kay, like I love Kay Adams, but I've kind of even got that vibe from her. Like it's more of 
They say that they're Bears fans, but you kind of wonder. Maybe it's just because they're trying to remain objective on national TV, covering all 32 yeah. teams. Maybe that's the case, but I don't know. Yeah, I definitely haven't got. It's not like Adam Rank. I mean, obviously, you guys had him on the show last week, right? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. Like, he's legitimately a Bears fan, and he has oh, no yeah. problem hiding it whatsoever. No, he's out there. Go ahead, Jared. Come off mute, though. Okay, I'm off mute. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to take a minute before we get too far gone. And as a man, man to man, as much as man to man as this can be, I want to tell you that I'm sorry for the last two years. Uh, kind of little, got a little sidetracked on some shit. You know, I followed you after uh, you broke the news on John Fox, and uh, we were pretty good friends. And then some shit happened. It doesn't need to be gotten into, but I do want to tell you that, for my part, I'm sorry, and I want to make sure that it's on air. Because you're a good dude, man. Hey, man, I, I really do appreciate it. Like, dude, like we talked about before, man, it's it's all water under the bridge. I said stupid stuff too. Like, like I said, I really do appreciate it, and I'm sorry as well. And I'm, I'm just, dude, I'm just glad that we're we're all kind of li- living harmoniously right now. And this is this is a really really nice thing, especially with all the stuff I got going on in my personal life. It's it's really nice to be able to actually get on Twitter and be able to to escape that into a better place. But, dude, Jeremy, I really do appreciate that, man. Yeah, I definitely echo what he said, and we we totally appreciate your support. Yeah, you know, same we've here, been, man. We've been doing this since February on our own, and and uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just Bears fans, and 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 you know, we should. Uh, at, at someone that I respect and I really you know, follow their work said Lawrence Holmes, you know, you lift as you climb, um, and you know, and that's uh, you've done that for us, and you know, we try to, you know, uh, support other people and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great time to be a fan ultimately because you can really dive into these teams in a way that you never could before. You can, you know, you can, you can really just immerse yourself in it. You can put your opinions out there. You can have a podcast, you can have a, you know, all these different things if you want. And, you know, that's what I think, will hopefully continue to be cool about bears Twitter um, is that it's a place where, you know, we're just, you know, supporting the team and supporting each other. And, and uh, you know, we don't have to go dark. Um, you know, even if the, even if God forbid they aren't winning, <laughs> we, we don't take it out on each other. So I, I definitely echo what, uh, you know, Jer said, and, and uh, you know, it's, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on, giving us the time and, you know, all those times that you did those, um, you know, those Friday follows and, um, you know, we, we, you know, we just got connected with a lot of, you know, cool people from that, you know, and that kind of stuff does, it does make a difference and it does matter and it does build the community you know, and people talk about whatever Twitter's not real life and, you know, but it, it is, it is real life in a lot of ways. And people do make real friendships and, you know, the, the guys that I do this show with, you know, I consider to be real life friends and, you know, um, you know, we've met in person and, and, you know, and, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it can be, it can be more, you know what I mean? You can choose to make it a, a you know, a place where people hide behind fake avatars and, and do weird crap, but it doesn't have to be that. And so I appreciate, you know, the way that you, you know, kind of chose to, to, to deal with all that drama and, and kind of, we, we all came out of it a better, uh, a better group of fans, I think. Well, and absolutely. And, and here's the thing, dude. And, and this is kind of what I've told everybody. I mean, I think, Every single one of us at some point, because like you said, it, 
it is definitely real life to a certain extent because I mean some of the stuff that people say and some of the stuff that you know people do has an impact either positively or negatively. Obviously, I mean this is this is both a good and a bad thing, and that's just human nature. But I everybody is every, I think every single one of us have had bad moments. I know I've had bad moments. I mean it just it you know and that's kind of the thing. Like how can you expect to be forgiven if you can't forgive other people? That's always kind of been my mantra on everything and. I'll probably address that more um, tomorrow night, um, going on the the barroom stuff and talking with Phil and all that. And that's kind of my whole entire mentality with everything is, dude. There's just it's there's so much. Do we've all is especially as Bears fans, we've all been through the lowest of the lows with this team. We've all hung through it. We've all had our bad moments. We've all had our good moments. But I can tell you right now, I mean, even living in California, it's like, dude, I've met some awesome people, some absolutely awesome people, you know, going through some of the stuff I've gone through. I've had multiple people reach out to me. And it's like you said, and that's when it becomes real life is because you have people who you may, I mean, we may never actually meet face to face. We may never actually go get a drink and hopefully we will. I mean, that would, that would definitely be a goal of mine is to meet as many people as possible, but there's always a realistic possibility that we may not, but it's also cool that we can, we can sit here here on the internet on twitter as bears fans and be able to support each other to be able to have these good conversations and still have friendships and still be able to help people through different things and, and that's really been kind of the awesome thing with with the platform of twitter in general and and that's kind of been my goal and and a few other people that i've talked to is just like it, it's just time to you know like i said we've we've all been through hell and back with this team and it's time to build each other up i mean we're all doing this as a hobby i mean and correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think anybody's doing this as a profession i mean i'm still working a full-time job and i'm sure you guys all are as well i mean this is something we enjoy doing that we have a passion for and for as much fun as it is i mean sometimes i have to remind myself this can be a lot of fun for other people too so why not support everybody and that's that was kind of my main message a few weeks ago and i know some people didn't agree and and i'm hoping they'll kind of see what my goal is later on down the line in terms of, I want everybody, including literally everybody. I mean, the bar room, everybody included, like I want everybody to be supporting everybody. Even if we don't, we don't all have to get along hundred percent, but if you like something you read, if you like something you see, if you like something you listen to, Support them, help them out, mm-hmm. get the word out because it's always been, at least in my mind, it's always been one of those things that for other fans that maybe don't write, that don't do the podcast, that that listen to this kind of stuff. I think everybody 100%, regardless in life in general, whether it's religion, whether it's politics, whether it's with social views, anything, I always think that people should have multiple avenues that they can go to for multiple different looks. So I may say I don't like Adrian Amos or I think Adrian Amos is overrated and you guys may say I oh, will well, you know, we really like Adrian Amos and this is why, and we're going to do a film breakdown on it. I think that's extremely beneficial to anybody that listens to both of those shows to be able to get both sides of it. And regardless if we disagree, regardless of how we come to our conclusions and if we feel we're right or if we're wrong, I think it's, it's 100% a thing where I think that fans deserve the opportunity and other writers and, you know, and other podcasters all deserve the opportunity to have multiple different takes because everybody has a different brand of how they do things, you know, and that's, so that's always, that, that's been kind of my thing. And that's why I've been trying to go out of my way. And obviously I'm going to get back on that with football season and all that stuff is trying to get everybody support, trying to get everybody, everybody has their own brand. And I think it's awesome, man. Like some of the creative stuff that you guys have all come up with is like that never in a million years would I've ever been able to think of anything like that. And I think 
think it's awesome that Bears fans in this day and age, especially with as good as the team is, has the ability and has all those outlets. And I, I just, I don't know, man. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a great thing. And like I said, life's just too short, at least for me, to be able to hold grudges and, and not, you know, it's a lot. It's a, at least for me, it's a lot easier to to be graceful and to, to be supportive and to be happy and, and all that stuff than to try to hold a grudge or try to continue something that really doesn't mean anything. And it, at least in my mind, it just kind of, it, you know, when, when you go back and forth with somebody, especially when it's, you know, out in the open for everybody to see, it doesn't really benefit either side in my opinion. So that's just my take on it. No, for sure. I mean, we got plenty of uh, energy we can spend on holding a grudge against the Lions and the Packers. Exactly. Why would we? uh, Why would we cannibalize our own fan base? We could go after them. Exactly. Oh, I see. I 100% agree that. And, you know, guys, and that's the other thing too, I would say is, you know, even with that, you know, like Peter Bukowski and all those guys, like it can get frustrating, but I think, and I have to remind myself sometimes too, it's just football. It's just a game. It's just Twitter. So for as heated as things may get, you know, it's still, I I think there's still definitely a line that at least in in my mind and what I go by, I think there's still a line that we have to kind of toe in terms of, we still are representing the fan base, you know, and and stuff like that. So, and, and again, you know, it it may not be 100% real life, but words still do impact people, even if they Mm -hmm. don't, uh, they don't show it. So I think that's also something to kind of keep in mind, even when we're having playful fun with some of these guys, you know, just to not let it get too serious. Oh, totally. 100%. Well, I mean, I, thank you so much, man. I mean, just, you know, yeah, thank again, you, thanks for coming on. Thanks for, you know, all you do on Twitter and, and, uh, we just appreciate, you know, um, all of it. And, uh, we appreciate the good conversation. Hopefully we can have you on again during the season. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll be busy, but, uh, we can always, uh, maybe find a little, little moment here and there. It doesn't have to be this much time, but we do appreciate you giving us this much time. That was awesome. Um, so, uh, just a reminder, anybody, everybody can find Aaron Lemming at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, uh, the bears report.com, windy city gridiron. Uh, we love all their stuff. Lester came on our show a while back. Um, he's a great guy and, and they put out some great stuff. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's just so much great content out there. Everybody should just support and, and, you know, you can choose a million different flavors. You don't have to try them all, but you should. Um, and, uh, you know, so just thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you guys having me on anytime you want me on. I mean, I'm rarely ever too busy and especially, uh, now that I've, uh, I've got a lot more time on my hands. Let's just put it that way. So anytime you guys want me on, I'd be more than more than happy to come on. And it's, it's definitely been an honor that you guys even wanted me on in the first place. So I appreciate it. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, Not a problem. Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Well, there was that. That was pretty great. <laughs> Awesome, man. The guy's a stand-up guy, man. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I appreciate Solid, you saying. Bro. I appreciate you saying what you said, Jaron. And, and uh, you know, I think it needed to be said, and I think we needed to, you know, kind of have that moment, and um, you know, kind of just never. You can never be too big to humble yourself when you know well, you yeah, made, made a wrong. We right. got involved in that whole mob mentality BS where it just, and then you st- we kind of all started questioning it, didn't realize trying to trying to fight someone's personal battle bs and uh, i'm just glad how things are right now where it's just let's just support each other and, and uh lift as you climb like you said man yeah for sure and you know i mean honestly like i'm i'm 
I'm happy, you know, we're doing what we're doing. We're enjoying ourselves. We're having fun. There's a lot of different things for people to listen to, Absolutely. you know, at the end of the day. And they can choose and pick what they want, choose episodes and pick what they want, you know, and whatever. And it's not a, you know, it's not about any kind of uh, competition, even though there's a little friendly competition here and there. But that's all right, you know, or vendettas or other kind of stuff like that. And, um, you know, I think it took, he didn't have to go that he didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to be the one that stood up, you know, and kind of, kind of join people together. But, you know, with the amount of followers that he had and the kind of platform that he has, which is, you know, one that I think, you know, amongst bears, Twitter, he's somebody that, you know, everybody is aware of. So it, I think it was, it was good. It was helpful. It was, um, you know, it was needed, uh, at that time. And I mean, it's, you know, not everybody's going to get along. Not everybody's going to be friends and that's fine. You know, we're not all going to go on each other's shows. We're not all going to retweet each other's stuff, but as long as we're not, you know, spending our time on our shows, chopping people down and, you know, going out of our way to, to come up with, you know, wild narratives and stuff, then, then it's all for the better. Yeah, I definitely think there needs to just be unity among the fans, and I know people ha- have taken issue with me over, especially over the airwaves. And you know what? You got my contact information. You know, hit me up. Uh, I think things got a little twisted the way things went down. We all know what we're talking about, what I'm talking about here. But anyway, um, back to positivity. <laughs> um, I was gonna get your guys' take on. Uh, do you think uh, I was thinking about this this high injury and uh, Sherrick McManus being moved to safety? Um, well, starting to learn the position, I think it'd be a feel good story, man. If he if he stepped up, if Ha Ha has that, if it's like a real real thing here that we have to worry about. What do you what do you guys like? Wouldn't it kind of be cool to see Sherrick finally get a get something going in the event that the Ha injury is more serious than they're leading on to? Well, I think number one, I don't think it's probably that serious. I think that just no, I don't going think on, it the, is either. on the PUP is not that big of a deal. But I also think that the the way that secondaries are going now is versatility is key. You know, I think you know there's obviously a lot of specialization as well. But basically, you know, you have you you've seen the way that linebackers are going, right? They're they're smaller, they're faster, they have to be able to cover. I think the same thing is going on with, with cornerbacks. It's like, you still like tall corners on the, on the edge, but you know, you aren't seeing, um, you know, them, uh, there, there as many of those type of guys anymore. You, you need guys that are versatile. Um, you don't need hitters, you know, the, the hitting from the safety position is being legislated out of the game. I mean, let's be honest, you know, there's not, there's not room in the game for guys, you know, who play like Steve Atwater and Ronnie Lott and even Rod Woodson. Um, I mean, you know, that's just not that safety is a finesse position anymore. Um, you know, and it's just about not getting beat deep. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the more people that, that can learn that position, the better, um, and share it. I mean, Sherrick stepped up last year, aside from, you know, giving up the touchdown, but I don't really know that that's his fault necessarily. It was a bad position to be in. Um, you know, if you're like me, team. I don't care. If, you, if you're like me, I don't care who's back there. Just get the job done, man. Right. We but spent the money on 
Ha ha. But uh, if if he can't go, next man, you better be ready. Oh, and we didn't spend much. I mean, Haha's, you know, that's the thing about Haha. It's a prove-it deal. So um, I, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to play. I don't think he's that hurt. I, I'm not really that worried about it. Um, but I just think, you know, that's the wave of the future in secondaries with guys being able to move around. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just the next step to it. And and that's great. I mean, I, I, I think after last season, Sherrick has earned the right to get some more snaps on defense. You guys see where they, they, like they read it? Sorry, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, they, I guess, uh, this, this guy in the athletic that used to do it for ESPN where they, they take 55 NFL coaches and executives, um, to place the QBs in tiers and, uh, they put our boy Mitch at tier three quarterback in the league. And that's what guys like Dalton, Eli, uh, Newton, Cousins, Dak, Bulls, Garoppolo, that, that. So they're, they're saying uh, Mitch is a tier three quarterback in the league. What do you, what do you I think guys that's think about fair. That? I think that's yeah. fair. I think that's fair based on what he's done. I mean, if you're putting him with Eli and Garoppolo and, and Dak. I mean, and Eli now, those. though. Eli threw for 4,000 yards and had almost no, had, had very few oh, interceptions last year. Oh, yeah, if, listen, if you Triggered. put Eli's stat <laughs> line on Mitch, what would we be talking about? We'd be talking about how amazing it was. I mean, like, but if you put Mitch's stat line on Eli, he'd be out of the league right now. I just want to hear B. Diddy say Garoppolo again. What was it, Garoppolo? No, I think you said Garoppolo. I was like, <laughs> did that really? Yeah, it was beautiful. Man, you might have. All right. I'm okay with that. Uh, although I will, I Jimmy I, Jimmy G. I think he's overrated. I don't think I, I think I, I haven't seen anything from him that makes me that excited um, in Jimmy G. But I will say this: the the thing that's driving me the most crazy right now is this stupid top 100 list. What a joke! What a waste of fucking time. Who cares? Like, something why do we need a top 100 players? What is the criteria? You're, they do it every year. It's retarded. Like, it, it, like I'm sorry. I just, I hate it. Like, it's just total, just garbage conversation. How do you, how do you really feel about it, man? Just let it out. I just hate it. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Like, it, it, it all it does is like piss people off. It makes no sense. So Kyle Fuller's 95. Okay, what does that mean? Like, like, it's just... It means he's 95 on their show? Yeah, I just I just think it's pointless. Like, almost 1,700 players <laughs> in the league. What are you doing? Like, you want to rank by positions? Okay, fine. That's fine. You want to just overall rank? Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't know. I just... I, I think it's one of the more pointless things that, that the NFL Network does. Well, speaking of pointless thing, you got the Pro Football Talk has their uh, their pre-training camp power rankings, and the Bears are fifth behind the Patriots, Chiefs, Eagles, and Cowboys, which we're playing three of those teams this year, and our uh, our enemy up north from us is uh, ranked, ranked 15th. Wow. I like that. Thanks, Hub. Yeah, right? <laughs> Uh, I like, you know, I could see that. When the I rankings, when the rankings work for us, we like them. 
No, when that, that's something right. you, that makes sense. Ranking. <laughs> I, mean, I don't love power rankings, but at least I'm messing with you. I don't know. I, I think the Cowboys are overrated personally. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know that I don't see them taking the next step. And I think the Patriots are living off of previous rosters. I mean, it's, it's not a great idea to pick against the Patriots. It's never really worked out for many people, but I feel like with no Gronkowski and now Edelman is injured they're saying, and, you know, I mean, they got a running game, you know, but I don't know. This, I feel like if there's, if there's, if there's a year for the, for the, for the Patriots to kind of finally fall off, maybe this is it. The problem is, is that they play in that, that crap division. So they can fall know, off and still win it going 10 and six. That's what I'm saying. Like they're gonna, you know, so they're gonna end up in the playoffs no matter what because they play this, the Bills twice, the Jets twice, the Dolphins twice. I mean, it's. I've been waiting for the end of their reign. I've been waiting for the end of their reign for like a decade, bro. So I don't even talk about the shit anymore because every time I'm like, they're finally done. They're finally done. Nope. So I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna touch it. No, I mean, I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying that maybe this year finally. But some some stupid team will trade them somebody really good. Oh yeah. And they'll, 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 pick, they'll pick up Ryan Nall and I'll actually become good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we're on that. I hope not. No, I'm just that's the kind of the kind of crap that happens with them. Though. They'll pick up somebody nobody wanted and turns into a beast. Yeah, but I think I am gonna go on Sunday. Um, that's awesome, man. I wasn't gonna go on Monday. I wanted to go on Monday just so it's not a weekend, but Sunday is the first padded practice for the team, so it ought to be interesting. They'll be ready to crack each other, I'm pretty sure. It's gonna be crowded, but it's gonna be dope to be there because, like I said, man, like when when have we been go- when have we gone into a camp with this high of expectations? Like it's it's crazy. Like nah, the, I mean, a lot high... of people are yeah are definitely calling it the the biggest off season ever for the Bears. Absolutely. Well, not only from not only from yeah, well not only from like Mitch's development, the character competition, but also these guys that are gonna be battling to and we want that we want that building within thing to start really taking off. Mm-hmm. Where we're like we said, we got these guys coming up, they're gonna be getting big contracts. We need our we need our young guys to develop so we can we can take that hit when a guy has to walk. You know, and it's going to be awesome to watch these battles, man, because the depth on this team, I, I can't remember a time where I've seen the, the kind of depth we, ha- we have on this team. Like it's, it's going to be fun just to see the backups play, like just to see where they're at. Yeah, I'm just going to be – go ahead, Jerry. So it'll be good just to talk about stuff that we've actually seen on a football field. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, instead like, of oh, everybody's theories. You don't have to speculate anymore. It's like, fuck, we're playing. People are cracking skulls. That's what's, that's what's up. Right, we made it. We made it through the tough times here, man. This like gap between the OTAs and training camp, and it's it's been a lot of fun, fellas. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. You know, we're, we're almost there. Just lighting candles and saying <laughs> prayers for help. <laughs> it's getting real now. <laughs> yes, sir. And there's, and there's Titanic music here. <laughs> no, no, no Titanic music. Um, but somebody asked uh, I was listening to Hogan Johnson today and they played some of the press conference at, in Decatur and 
Uh, somebody asked Pace, why do you, you know so many teams regress and so many teams go backwards? Why do you think that you're not going to? And I mean, his, his answer was basically the culture, you know. And and I think that that's something that even when the Bears have been good in the past, other than you know uh, maybe '85, and I don't really know because I was just a little kid and I really wasn't like an active Bears fan at that time, um, nor living in Chicago. That you know that maybe this is a year where you know there will there will be a sustaining uh, feeling of positivity that 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 keeps going you know through some rough times you know what I mean like um, if they come you know I mean at the end of the day you know every fan base is going to freak out over a three game losing streak or you know if that happens and whatnot but I just feel like that even though we this team is built to win now, it's not like it's not like we're careening off a cliff. And if we don't make the jump, then it's like there's no future, you know. Well, I, I mean, just, things things ended badly last season, really. And you look at how, how positive everybody's staying. Like it, right. That that's a, that's that's a culture change. That's huge. I mean, yeah. we, we've. We've had it happen ourselves. We've we had a culture change. Things things are better now. It, it does make a big difference. Yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, I mean, it just keeps keeps rolling, you know. And I think uh, obviously, you know, the Bears one hundred, and the, the I think that obviously seems like this Decatur thing was fun for everybody. It was like a mini Bears one hundred, and Lance Briggs showed up. He was front and center, so that was nice. So, um, Decatur, he shows up. Yeah, I don't. There must have been something up with. With the Bears 100, maybe he just had a conflict, but because it was maybe definitely there was weird. like a, a Lamborghini convention or something. Yeah, he had to go crash. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a Pepto Bismol convention that he was at with uh, Brian. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Emodium, little Emodium AD. But you know, anyway, he was there. It was good to see him. The players are out there getting suited up, and uh, you know, Bourbon A is going to be fun. Uh, yeah, I, I, on fire! I hope you guys have a blast, man. I can't wait to hear the things that you were seeing out there. It's gonna, it's gonna be awesome. I'm excited for it. Hopefully, I can get out there. It's uh, very much gonna be a spur of the moment. Hit it and split it for me. So, well, pull the trigger, Jared. Do it. Bang bang. Uh, I'm, planning on, I'm planning on next year to be out there. So, just this mm-hmm. year just didn't work. I being out there already for the 100 year. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, uh, I think we've hit it all, boys. Another good show. Uh, we should mention our sponsor. See you, Jared. I did it without you reminding me. Um, hey, we got a sponsor. Our good friends over there at uh, TickSplits, TickSplits.com. You can find all the tickets you need. Um, save 5% by using the promo code TAILGATE. TickSplits doesn't have any fees, so the price you see is what you pay. Uh, so check them out if you need any tickets. Um, little plug for our other show Halitech Hall we are going to be giving away uh, preseason tickets uh, on that episode so we're going to record that on Thursday it should be out on Friday um, so we're going to be giving out some preseason tickets uh, for people um, and there are still if anybody is interested on um, August 3rd which happens to be my birthday it's still time to shop um, oh, the third yeah you can I'm the go first. There you go. Party. You can, you can go uh, and get. There's still lots of seats available for the Fan Fest uh, game, Family Fest game at uh, Soldier Field. They're like ten dollars. So, um, 
you know, check it out. But be warned, it is Lollapalooza, so that whole area is going to be a, a freaking zoo. Um, but I I was kind of kicking around going to that, but I, I got to be at work because usually it's kind of nuts during that uh during Lollapalooza at, uh, at my restaurant. So, uh, but yeah, check it out. Go online, get the tickets for the tip for the uh, Urban A and the Fan Fest. And before you know it, we're going to be watching football, real live Chicago Bears. Oh, yes, I am ready. It's going to be glorious, boys. And that's just another episode of a Tailgate Show. Stop. Bears. Thanks again, Dad. Bears, baby. Dad, bears. That corn. How you want popcorn? Oh yeah. Oh yeah.